there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. Welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a part of which we'll challenge one yourself. another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive, critical eye. Guys, the kid is back. That's right. <laughs> Welcome back. He's popping now. Yeah. We are a positive film criticism podcast. We try to keep it positive, but we are also a drinking game. So if we ever say anything negative about a film, you're going to hear this sound. And that sound means that we yep, have to take a drink. So, there it is. Pour yourselves a glass, charge up your torch, and never set foot in the fucking forest again after we uh, watch this film. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that Pacific Northwest is definitely not a place where I want to be when nature turns. I've been in those woods. For the worst. I've been in those woods too, only during the day. Only during the day. All right, people, we are, of course, talking about Scott fucking Cooper's antlers. That's what we're talking about, people. This actually came out on Halloween 2021, but... We are talking about it now in part of our Should Have Seen That By Now series because it comes out on, I believe, HBO Max. HBO Max. Probably today if you're getting uh, this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you should be able to see this episode on HBO Max for free. It's incredible. We're going to talk about it. But before we get too deep into it. Oh, wait. If you're new to our podcast, find us on the, the link trees. Like us. Subscribe us. Subscribe to us. Fuck, man. My beer hasn't hit yet. I have my whole oh my beer blue, too. You're doing better than I do every week <laughs> so in the intro. intro. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 10 minutes spoiler free. We're going to give you our initial takeaways of what it's like to see the film. Even though this film came out a couple months ago from when we're recording this, we're just going to give you our take if you haven't seen this film and and you want to know if you should. So we're just going to give you a little spoiler free take and then we're going to dive into it and have a conversation. Hey, do you want to to see if John remembers the the sponsorship rant? Yeah, that's what what we're going to go to. John, it's been a couple (laughs) weeks. You think you still got it? Who are our sponsors? Let's see if I've got it. Uh, I remember for sure. The one and only... Carlos Barozzo. You can find that guy on Instagram. That's cbarozzo.beer. C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R dot B-E-E-R. Give him a follow. He's got recipes. He's got all the things he's doing with his own uh, microbrewing. He is the man. He is also, guys, what is the word for the beer sommelier, which Carlos, I think, officially is now. Australian. Australian. That was good. I, uh, like, I, I like don't it. do that joke every time. What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, we we have music. I don't know if you've noticed it, folks, but uh, it plays on this episode and every single episode, and it is all provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist. You can download all that music for motherfucking free. Guys, we're talking about Scott Cooper's Antlers. Oh my god! Yeah. I hope they've heard the. I hope they heard of the music. You were like, I don't know mm. if you've heard about the music. It's like, how would you find this particular point in the episode without hearing the intro music? Is definitely a question that Some I would love to know. Some people may skip it. I think there are people out there who are like, they talk for about four minutes and then they finally get to it. And they just <laughs> yeah. Skip, right? yeah, we need to put a actually. Skip you know marker. what? <laughs> you know what? In case my brother is listening, that's a good idea. Dan, take note. Skip, 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 skip. We're talking about the movie. Exactly, there you go. dude. Yeah, shaved off four minutes. Set your watch to it. I will ask you, like, what what is it with like when you put Coopers in the woods, it's just fucking creepy. Coopers in the woods. Coopers. Yeah. Scott Cooper, Agent Cooper. It's the, the woods just get fucking creepy every time you put a Cooper in, in a the woods. similar in a similar. I see a pattern. Oh come on. Oh come on. <laughs> I have a feeling we're gonna like this movie enough so that we should get our buzzes when we can. That's what I think, Dave. We gotta hit our buzz quota. We gotta keep the people drinking. <laughs> the Assuming your intro, you've already got one. <laughs> 
Um, I'm at that point where I've started drinking out of this beer booth that I got from our friends at the Matt and Mark Booby podcast. Oh, nice. So let's talk about antlers and let's segue into this. So John goes mm. to film school mm. and he got to see this movie. We're going to talk about John's experience, but you saw this movie before it came out or right as it was coming out. And we hadn't seen it yet because it came out around Halloween and we wanted to do last mm. night in Soho as our Halloween movie this past year. I stand by it. And then. I said by too. And then I was listening to our buddies at Matt and Mark talking about antlers and how fucking awesome Scott Cooper is. And I was like, shit, John just talked about how he liked this movie too. And then like, you know, the week after Halloween, new movies were coming out. And then this movie just never really had like the huge, you know, payoff as did almost no, mo- almost no movie yeah. had a huge payoff this past year, unless you were a, a property. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Spider-Man, which somehow almost beat Moonfall at the box office this week. And it's in its like eighth week of release. We'll talk about Moonfall, people. Go ahead and check out our feed. Like, subscribe us to know all the details. So we're talking about antlers. It's we're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's, it's, I think the director matters a lot here. So Scott oh, Cooper, Jeff. the reason we're shouting him out is <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's funny. So Scott Cooper's um feature directorial debut is crazy heart yes the jeff bridges movie which i'm gonna say i don't know what you think about crazy heart if you even remember it maggie gyllenhaal his first film the actor wins best actor and i don't know much about the i actually i know a decent amount about the actors the the oscars especially when it comes to actors no actor has ever won an award in spite of their director you know what i mean very rare they've never won for a movie that's just absolute shit except for sandra bullock otherwise like there's no way <laughs> you knew that was coming. It, the movie was an absolute shit, but she rose above her station. Crazy Heart, first film that he directed, lead actor wins best actor. So what happens? Immediately, Christian Bale is like, get me in the mix. Johnny Depp. So he goes, Chris, Crazy Heart 2009, Out of the Furnace 2013, <laughs> which is a really, really cool film if you've never seen it. Black Mass 2015, not a lot of people saw it. John, we went to see that. Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. Hostiles 2017 mm. and then Antlers now 2021. So for our Cooper fans out there, he's basically batting five for five because there's a pretty, pretty cool list of movies. Black Mass is like it or hated kind of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I heard Black Mass got shit on a lot. I mean, everybody was kind of in a different movie, if I remember correctly, John. I don't know if you have much to say about Black Mass, but I think it still hangs. Please, like, please that's his worst can movie. we just talk about Antlers for fuck's sake? <laughs> that's his <laughs> if that's his worst movie he's doing. It's okay. also his but, I think Black Mass is the only one uh Mr. Jess Butterworth, uh, the amazing playwright and screenplay writer, um, uh, he co-wrote that with a, a couple other people. I think that is the only one that Scott Cooper did not write himself. So like a lot of auteurs, I think he just does better when it's his own material. Him and Taylor Sheridan, I think they, I put them in the similar camp. That was, uh, I wish you could have seen boot, that, was the that boot noise bubble. that you just heard. <laughs> that bubble. That was a boot bubble, a boot beer bubble. Coming out of Matt Mark, beer boot. Matt Mark, we, 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 we were supposed to have like a $20 you. holiday budget for these gifts, and they get us two liter boots, these gigantic fucking monsters. Where's mine? We released this on Where's YouTube as well, so you you will okay. see that if you if you drop, drop over there. All right, well, in Black Mass, you see, is the first time that I ever saw Jesse Plemons after the weight gain. Um, and he's also in this film, Antlers, which also tell stars... your brother to skip 18 times now. <laughs> 18 times that. So Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons play brother and sister, uh, Paul and Julia Meadows, who live in um, the woods in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> in this horror film. And the pitch, the IMDb short blurb here of what this movie is about mm. is... Hit me. In an... Uh, in an isolated Oregon town, 
I say Oregon now. I know it's spelled Oregon, and I really want to hate on it for that, but I'll, I'll give them the credit here. In an isolated Oregon town, a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become embroiled with her enigmatic student <laughs> whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with an ancestral creature. First of Friends. all, this was written by a marketing person. You can fucking tell. Yeah. Like enigmatic. Mm-hmm. No one's throwing enigmatic in their long line. Enigmatic. <laughs> in, their Halloween, in their Halloween movie description. Yeah. Come to Halloween. Come uh, to this movie on good. Halloween and see an enigmatic student. Yeah. I can't talk anymore. Who wants to go first with their initial spoiler-ish, free-ish takeaway of Scott Cooper's Anthers, co-written by Nick Antosta and Harry Chazon. Dave, you just watched it, dude. I, mean, hit I, us, just, I just saw this hot. like three yeah. hours ago. Like I, yeah, I, I put it on, and uh, from the first shot, it had me. Like that first shot. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus laughs> <shit. laughs> Fuck, my beer's gonna get so flat. I'm so sorry, Dave. <laughs> the people want to hear what you have to say. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's <insane. laughs> It's actually Jeff's stomach. You ordered Chinese for dinner. Um, from the very first shot, like this had me. It's this the most beautiful shot of like a lake and the forest, and it's just like slowly drifting over it. And then it cuts to how we fucking ruined it. And so you can tell there's going to be a little bit of environmental overtones, but like the movie opens as well with um, a Native American, I guess it's a proverb, a legend. Um, I'm not educated enough to know the correct term for it, but I thought that was fantastic. It was an absolutely fantastic way to lead in to that. That's how you do a fucking text scroll. Cause it's <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and I got what they're all about from, from that point on, like just in the get go. But this is one of those stories where it doesn't start. They kind of drop you in halfway through. And so there's a bit of a mystery and you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? You're playing catch up. But they, they do go back and show you a lot of the stuff, but it, it, it also really doesn't feel like exposition. So I really enjoyed this. Really, really enjoyed this. Like, And don't even get me started on the fucking cinematography. We're doing a whole section on that in a minute. Oh, I would love that. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. All right. I well, also, we'll come yeah. back to you soon since John and I saw it a couple months ago and you also, saw it fresh. So. Also, I, I challenge you to watch this and not pick the moment I said in my head, oh, yeah, that person's fucking dead. <laughs> I, I think I know. We'll get to yeah. the spoiler section and then we'll guess. John, initial takeaways. I mean, I uh, uh, like you said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big, big Scott Cooper fan. Um, I think people sleep on him for some unknown reason. I think he's a, a kind of a rare, weird, alter director in America that still makes movies for adults. So like not everyone sees his movies. This is a perfect example. It came out at a time of year when people usually do go see scary movies. Like they take chances. And I don't think a lot of people saw this movie. So I'm really mm, glad yeah. we're giving it some attention. Shout out to Mark. From the Matt and Mark movie podcast, one of the first things him and I like really bonded over was Hostiles, um, one of uh, Scott Cooper's films, which is really incredible as well. So um, I'll have some more to say when we get into the spoiler sections. But uh, yeah, we, the, we the, have to be careful about this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. My lead-in will be anyone who has heard us talk about. Uh, I think we did an episode on The Devil's Backbone, some of Guillermo del Toro's mm. stuff. <clears throat> Guillermo del Toro approached Scott Cooper to make this. Um, apparently, he. When he met him, he said to Scott Cooper, what I know about you that you don't know about yourself is that you make horror movies and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Out of the Furnace and this really tense, dark, 
Hmm. It's not melancholy, and, but there and, is and a tension. And Scott, yeah, and Scott Cooper said, <laughs> "So I love this. I like it. Was fun watching like a really adult filmmaker take on what is. It's a fairy tale. Like this is a really dark fairy tale. Oh, yeah, they established legend, that myth. Mm. It has that vibe. It's a very simple story. So um, that's why we will be kind of careful because you kind of give it away as soon as you start talking about it. But also, don't be worried about that because you're in on it pretty quickly. I do agree with you, Dave. Yeah. There is a little bit of a mystery, but you're kind of invited into the mystery quickly as well. well. They, they, so you really it, just yeah, get to watch it. it. Yeah, you get your opening scene where it's kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Like, obviously, if you don't know anything of the mo- about the movie, something's happened. Yeah. And then it settles down into just a little bit of story. But again, I'll say none of that felt like exposition to me. It was it was very well written, right? Yeah. Also, yeah, very so, well acted, I would say, because like you can well. you can write it as much as you want, but if you don't have good actors, it it just sounds like exposition. Totally yeah. agree. So Kids, both. the adults were great. I like like. Uh, I mean, I just want is it just me or are kid actors getting so much fucking better? <sighs> I don't know, man. There's been some pretty great kid performances I mean, throughout the years. Yeah, that's true. But I, consistently, we've been saying constantly, the kids best on ground, best on, like these kids are awesome. And yeah. they just keep finding really good kid actors to pull these roles off. Yeah. I think the first thing I, I texted both of you when I watched it, I watched this with Chloe while we had COVID. <laughs> we, like, we were just like, it was like the middle of, it was like January. We were quarantined and I was like, let's watch a spooky movie. Can we please watch? I like begged her to watch Antlers. And she's like, yeah. Um, this kid, I remember texting guys. I was like, I really hope this kid is in typecast as this. Cause he's so good at this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see him in like 20 years. And he's like still a kid from Antlers. Like, it's almost good that the movie isn't bigger for him for his own sake and his own ego, because even though his kid performances get picked up by other directors, so he, he'll work as an actor, but as far as being like a celebrity, you don't want, you'd rather be Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. I know he fucked that up, but like this kid is so good in this, but anyway, let me, I'll back it up a little bit to say that this is adapted from a short story, which I think is always a good idea. It's so hard to adopt something that's too big. So it's always good to stay isolated. I agree with you, Dave, where you get just kind of dumped in and dropped in. Also the fairy tale element's interesting because it's mm. just as dark as like the German, you know, the, the, um, the originals before the, Disney yeah, the brothers, brothers yeah. Grimm stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the brothers Grimm stuff. Um, Dude, so, side, yeah, so dark. Bar. Have you so seen? Simple. Have you seen the, the the brothers Grimm version of Star? Uh, not Star Wars. Fucking Snow White, the movie with Sigourney Weaver. No. Look that up. Oh, that is that's... fucking brutal. Yeah, I'm sure it's oh, terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I would yeah. love to see that. Um, no, I, I, I really don't have much to say yet, other than I, I agree with everything you said. I love how simple it is. I, I will say ahead of time that. I don't know if the ending lived up to the the rest of the film. However, it was a real. It was, I was I really happy about it. The button. No, no, <laughs> but I, I I was really I was like almost happy about it. I'm just saying it it didn't. It I thought that I, it was going to be one of those where like I just have to either I have to shit my pants. I can't even watch. And and it was watchable. The ending is yeah. what I'll say. It was it was watching, but yeah, I think the way it was paced, the way it it, it built, but didn't like it wasn't on a steep uphill climb. And the the the. I don't I mean, say. You know me. I'm a, I'm a big fucking Freddy. I'm a big fucking Freddy cat. Like if if shit comes jumping out at me and scares the shit out of me, I'll pause it until it's fucking daylight. So right. like, but I didn't have the luxury tonight. But it it, it wasn't <laughs> that case. Like it was. Yeah. It same. was. There, there were a couple were, moments you know, where I was a like, I think of good I might jumps have to. in there, though. Yeah. A couple of good jumps. And um, yeah. The last thing I'll say is that it. It's a little. Uh, this isn't spoiling anything to say. Like it, it is kind of a monster movie. I'm not saying it's about the monster, but like there is a mysterious being. You can see the antlers yeah i know in all of the posters so obviously there's some kind of deer or buck element to it but it was 
not what I expected in the best possible way. It, Dave, it I think not, this you know is what I mean? a, tell me if I'm wrong, dude, but isn't the, I don't know how to pronounce the Winnipeg or whatever this, this animal thing is. That Windigo. is what, that is what, um, the, the protagonist runs into in the woods on his way to the pet cemetery in Stephen King's novel. Do you remember that? There is just oh, a moment yes. where this thing yes, walks yes, yes. past him. And Stephen does this great passage about how he could almost see it, but he felt it and heard it more than he saw it. And mm. It just never really got to And it kind of looked like a moving tree. Yeah. Terrifying. Sounds... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh I, was, I was like, oh, fuck it. We're all, we're all in the right spot, which also made me happy. <laughs> I think I've told this anecdote before. Guillermo del Toro is obsessed with Stephen King. So I love it whenever they kind of mm. pull back from the roots. This sounded like this was maybe a tale he had been wanting to be a part of for a while. <laughs> We will acknowledge maybe some of the social stuff. Uh, I read a little bit of backlash initially when this film came out that they're pulling from a Native American legend. It's an entire white cast set in a very white town. But I, I would also say that this is the point of view of that story. They wrote it from that point of view on purpose. I feel like it is justified well, that yeah, it is about the, this the, community the, that is resisting that. The, which the, is so yeah, many the, the point is it doesn't happen. Stories. Like it's It's also like about how like white people have ruined their environment and that's why this thing is like this thing's not coming for native americans right they take care of the land right so if, if you stick to that you don't have a story good like, point <laughs> it's t- it's a tough point i know i know yeah you're both you're both right on this yeah let's get into the spoiler section here i'll just finish up two things yes yeah, so just to be clear guillermo del toro is listed as like the lead producer on the film the the short story is called the quiet boy by co-screenwriter Nick Antosca. So The Quiet Boy. So theoretically, the boy is the lead of the short story. They bring Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell's characters out a lot in this. So they probably have, the three of them probably have equal screen time split between them. And um, the reviews are mixed on this, which is bullshit. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the... I'm not buzzing that. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then the, the one I... I feel bad because I know there's great Native American actors, but it's always the same guy that plays them all in every movie. So the guy from Twilight, the guy from Last of the Mohicans, his name is Graham Greene. If you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, yeah, fuck that guy. He is um, in this film, too, to shout out another like, oh, yeah, that guy actor. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, he's basically he tells them what's going on. Yeah, and which they it is an ex- steadfastly yeah. refuse to believe. There's no you don't need to give that away. That happens in every fucking horror movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can we send people? Well. Can we get into some spoilers here? And just it's, talk it's, it's, it's pretty much time. We we fucked around with the intro for twenty minutes, and now we've yeah. done five minutes of movie, and uh, now it's Dan, time for spoilers. Dan, welcome to the show. Dan, <laughs> thanks for coming. All right, spoiler alert is on. Everyone, guys, let's check out check out this movie because it came out on HBO Max today, and yeah, yeah and then come back and listen to the rest of this. This That's is a, I'm not going to kick it off with a crazy spoiler yet, but I did just want to zero in on the performances. Dave, you're, t- you're so right. I feel like Scott Cooper is, there are a lot of like actors, directors that we're, we're huge fans of, and it doesn't mean that you're like fixed to a certain style, but Scott Cooper was an actor first. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he is, well, I mean, this is such a big compliment. Too. He's got a, yeah, he was, I think mm. he, he was, he was a working actor. He became yeah. friends with um, Robert Duvall and that's how he. Got his first movie funded, and <laughs> I was gonna say that's how you get movies and, made. <laughs> yeah. Duval was in. Duval was in. Um, crazy. I, I just blanked. I just talked about. Crazy he was in Crazy Heart, Heart right? Uh, wasn't he in it? I can't. Wasn't remember he Jeff Bridges' was like yeah, father I think he, I think he or was like mentor in, yeah. or something? 
But um, it's just so obvious when you watch. It's it's refreshing to watch someone who like makes the adult movies stuff. I think because I'm excited to hear you talk about it, Dave. I think one way that is so apparent technically is that Scott Cooper is extremely disciplined with his camera placement. And because of that, he doesn't like moving it in too much. He doesn't like cutting when he doesn't have to. So what do you need when you have those kinds of shots? You need actors who are great at just pointing cameras at. And I feel like he's he's so disciplined about it. And it's so obvious. It lends itself so well to this this kind of movie mm-hmm. with this fear factor. And you're right. The children, the children, he keeps the camera low. I like that he stays like with their point of view. Oh, my God. Most the low shots. Movie, yeah, dude. The low shots with that little boy. Like he, he made that normal house look fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like it was so... It's just so refreshing uh, getting to see someone with this kind hmm. of that um, holds themselves to this kind of accountability. And I think it I think it worked for this kind of horror movie. So I'd be very curious to read some of those reviews who hated it or talk shit about it, because I, w- I can't remember the last time we saw a movie like this. Yeah, I don't know exactly. if I hated it. It just has 60 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's a lot of like, oh, you know, it's a balancing act, kind of like, you know, those kinds of things. A, a lot of that is uh, some of that is the horror community expecting just more. And so they some, they, some people said it wasn't as scary as they wanted, but it, yeah, you know, like yeah, it's slow. It's a slow burn. It's like, OK, it's a thriller. Like, God, like if, to, you, yeah, know? if you if you market as a horror film, like market it as a horror film and then they go expecting a full horror film and then they get that slow burn that you get in yeah. this film. Did it kind yeah, of remind you? They're going to give it a negative review because you guys they're, remember they're, they're uh, man childs and they didn't get what they want. Jeff, you saw it. Jeff, you <laughs> saw it with you, me. But I, agree, but I agree with you. <laughs> Do you remember it comes at night with Joel Edgerton and um, yeah, and the guy from Girls who played Charlie and Girls? Yeah, yeah. I think this they have a similar tone. I think it, Dave. I think you're totally right. I think it disappointed a lot of people who wanted jump scares and quicker mm. cuts and some 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 not action, but literal action not like an action sequence, i mean they, actually, they kind of stacked it against it like they they marketed it as a horror film they released it in halloween it's like this this could have been a great november release or honestly September or anywhere that wasn't when halloween. i saw it when i saw it it was perfect which was january during covid at chloe's apartment at, at night with no sounds around it was like creepy yeah. and you know what this is coming out on hbo max at the right time because february 10th there's going to be another like couple rainstorms or snowstorms where you're stuck in and this would be a good like kind of creepy movie while you can't yeah. move Yes, it I is. Think it, I think it'd be cool. I, I will say, though, I was absolutely captivated with how they shot this. Talk like, about uh, yeah. Florian, yeah, Florian Hoffmeister, uh, who, like, what a name, dude. Florian Hoffmeister. It sounds like something yeah, you'd be pitching it's on the Beer Avengers so podcast or something. But <laughs> Shout out to the Beer Avengers pod. <laughs> but the dude is a master of going, all right, I'm going to use, like, basically no light. I've got one practical in the shot, but I, I'm lighting where they're going. But the journey is in darkness with just this torch. And mm. it, it was done so much to such good effect, it actually helped hype up the tension a lot. Because, like, you're only getting a, a small section. You're waiting for that torch to land on something. And it doesn't. And then it doesn't. And then yeah. it doesn't. And then it does. <laughs> and sometimes. <laughs> but you never know when it's coming because they're so random with it. But, like, a lot of the shots were like that. Like, there was some great use of silhouettes. The low shots, like I said, like, when she's standing in front of the house and the house, like, because they've shot it so low, it's just looming over her. Like, everything. The scenery shots were beautiful. The color palette was beautiful. There's, there's nothing I couldn't, like, I could fault in the way they shot this. Yeah, there was lovely. There was I, lovely. I, I wanna, go ahead. Wait, there's three of us. Stay finished. I, I want to say... Uh, that shot on the train tracks where he's walking along the train tracks. Can you imagine uh-huh. setting that up? It's like, okay, guys, we've got eight minutes of perfect light. Has everyone taken <laughs> their union break? 
Because we're Jesus going. Like, <laughs> we got eight minutes a day of that light. <laughs> there was a lovely consistency to the lack of electricity and practicals yeah. in the way they yeah. lit most Nobody of this. Nobody paid their fucking power bill in this movie. No. And then it paid, <laughs> but it paid off that. I mean, that whole, my favorite sequence without a doubt in this movie is when they're waiting at their house and oh, the attacks yeah. happen. That whole sequence, the the cat, you know, every time somebody walked outside, I was like, no, 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 my butthole would get really tight. They're like, somebody <laughs> yeah. else is going to die. Um, like, but, yeah. stay inside. Somebody, what is wrong? And Dude. the noise sound effect was very effective. But yeah, the Dude, lighting fucking, was the great. shed. I was reminded of like they, when you get those fucking like online video game campers, it's just like we're going to use the same spot and just waste anyone that comes near it. Do you think, do you think they use the same <laughs> shadow or do they remove walls? Like how do they get all those shots in there? Definitely. Yeah, they're pulling walls. Walls. You're going to pull walls out. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely fill out walls, which is, fucking which is great. My, I think my favorite uh, Florian credit there's a little a little flick called Deep Blue Sea. I don't know if you guys oh, have ever yeah. seen that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> that is one of my that is still to this day one of my favorite kills of all time. Is the is the Samuel L. Jackson kill, or is it? It's him, right? Yeah. Didn't they go back and add me. that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, no, wait, it was the, I, uh, that's a Chappelle yeah. show sketch, right? That's so good. <laughs> Did you see that movie? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they went. They added that, like, added that, and added the. Um, they went with snakes on a plane as well. They added the motherfucking snakes line after yeah. the fact. Sure. They, I think that, that was actually shot, I think, on the corner, on the edge of the Serenity set, I believe. Snakes what? on the plane? Yeah, when, he, when he's like, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes and these motherfucking planes. I think it was actually in the corner of the Serenity set, like somewhere. Shut up. Yeah, we they digress. Went back and they added it later. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's um, worth it as it is. Let's One thing th- I want to point out, though, like uh, this surprised me. So I looked up what it was shot on. It's shot on a Sony Cine Alta Venice, but it's using a Red Code RAW codec. And I'm like, I didn't know Sony Cine Alta Venice could shoot Red Code RAW. I didn't so know. So I'm that looking it up. Either. I'm trying to find anything about it. There's no mention of it whatsoever. So like, someone's done some funky stuff here, and it looked beautiful. It did. The true, yeah. the blacks, dude. The true blacks. They were messing with so much shadow, and I was, I love that I they mean, were just so the bold blacks, with the it. greens. Yeah, of course. It just looked, they yeah. did the whole thing. I mean, when you're going to film in the Pacific Northwest, you should probably lean into the grays, the blacks, the greens. And yeah. they, they did it throughout. And it was even in daylight, you felt like there was this, it was that perfect fairy tale tone. There's something beautiful and scary about it at the same time. And I feel like it felt that way throughout. Mm, um, yeah. And every time there's color, someone's going to die. <laughs> yeah, especially the red. Yeah, I thought that they yeah. did a really powerful. Powerful job with that. How about the uh, the lack of? Let's talk about the characters because Jeff, you said they fleshed out um, Carrie and Jesse's characters quite a bit, as they probably needed to. I've never read the short story, but these are the adults. You kind of are every now and then. You have to tap back into the way that the adult community is seeing it, especially since she is kind of our surrogate for experiencing this and then believing it and trying to get people to believe her. Classic fairy tale horror movie kind of stuff and i just felt like the 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 behavior this is like an acting lesson when you were just i love jesse Plemons and everything but to just say to someone like look at how many lines he has in this script and then look at the quality of work that he brings to just all these little moments of behavior just walking through a house making himself coffee yeah. having little tiffs with his sister and it yeah matters. he says some shit it, it that matters. is damn nasty but you still kind of like him like <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> i love yeah he gives himself permission because clearly they have she has 
issues with the father that was clearly abused in the past. And it was his father, too. So he's like the only person in the world that could give her shit. And he was like, I'm leaning into that. <laughs> yeah. Jesse Plemons, yeah. the actor. But he, yeah, he still does it with subtlety. I mean, if, 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 it, if the camera... That is true. That was very it, subtle. If it wasn't all stark and quiet and the words just pop out of the screen, you know what I mean? But it would be like, you could have... A different coverage of that could have made everything seem passe. You know, it was mm. just like it was everything. The tone was was really spot on for this. I thought it was really great. It was more thriller and mystery than horror, I guess. If we want to, you know. Also, come back I to just want to bring up when we get to the creature. Holy fuck, those effects are amazing. That whole scene in the the it's not an attic, but it's like the up. It's sort of an attic. It's like that upstairs. All of it when when mm. the creature's in the shadow and you see the younger brother and you know something's not right. Like the whole thing but is is but crazy. It's also, like it's a fantastic combination of digital and practical. Because uh, like some of that stuff was practical the, gore and some yeah. of that stuff was digitally added, but it wasn't over the top. It was it was so pulled back and subtle. They really right. leaned into okay, let's make this as realistic as possible, yeah. like for a reason, and it fed the story, which was great. And I liked it again. This is like a, I think Guillermo del Toro just is a huge fan of these kinds of creature tales. Yeah, it kind of brought me back to um, our our praising show of the thing. John Carpenter's oh, yeah. the thing, just and and Devil's Backbone, just acknowledging the ghost. It's it's not about it's not as much about what you don't see. Although I, I agree with you, Dave. They were they were very smart about when they wanted to scare you with the creature and when they wanted you to just be in the room with the creature. I feel like there mm. were there, I feel like there were two different kinds of scenes with this. Because yeah, when, we when that to the thing point kills where they that were like, kid in the yeah. woods, you don't want to see that, so they don't no. show it to you. But you want to yeah. see it when it's standing in the corner and you want to see it transform. Like, so the metamorphosis aspect of it was really, was really interesting. And I, it was fun to just be able to, to, to break a rule like that, just to have to, a mm. lot of people would never have shown you any of that. They just would have done it with the sound effects and then maybe yeah, had one juicy shot. Cause but, you saw a little bit, like it, it just made that creature a little bit more <laughs> ominous. And because of that, and because of that, this is why my favorite sequence, and I think everybody, everybody's probably, is such a fun sequence at the house. You know what's in the woods. It's not about what you don't know. It's not <laughs> about that crazy noise in the woods. Yeah. You know it's big enough to kill all these people. You know that it's fast enough. You know that noise that it makes. So when it's in the distance and it's hooting and howling, you're like, oh shit, any movie could have done that. But to have it move around in the smoke right behind the shed, on purpose mm. for you to see it and then to yeah. have it creep around and for you to feel it and hear it and see it. I felt yeah. like you were in the middle of those woods alone. No one was coming to save you. You know what that reminded <laughs> me of? Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah. With the, uh, the, the, with the hand. Yeah. 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 The very end. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they were shameless about it. And a lot, mm. like, as, as we kind of joked about, Jeff, you said it like a lot of that sequence took place in like 20 square feet. Yeah. which is which is nuts like how did they create that much tension with the, in and around a shed and then just the the simple effect of jesse getting getting uh, yeah. impaled like that was so effective they didn't go crazy with cgi they didn't tear his arms off and split him in half they it just ooh, just the way he and took the, it, the, just, the awesome thing man. is the second hit you're like oh fuck he's dead yeah like but yeah. it's like the is he or isn't he like yeah. oh that second hit it just came <laughs> back and you're like yeah, oh because yeah. it's through the wall he just goes yeah. through the wall of shit oh um, god i haven't how... seen something like that since razorback 
how what was going through your head when the is it the principal when the principal goes to the house and she walks in and then she gets to the door yeah, that, that was the and one she's staring at it of course it had to be the one right she's staring yeah. at it she puts her ear she hears the sound she's looking around and you're like oh don't come on don't be a fucking hero lady how easy is it to go back and say this is something's wrong i have all i need to go back and tell people something's wrong and instead she has to do it herself (laughs) what yeah she smells it what the fuck and what is up with the story where the kid i'm in like a play a class with playwrights right now and everything's really whimsical on the stage and fun and yeah they want it to be dark and stuff but (laughs) i I can't imagine these playwrights having a story where there's a boy who catches animals to feed to his father <laughs> just like this isn't, story isn't that what into the woods is about <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> into the woods You're he's right, like trying dude. to sell beans he's not fucking murdering animals and, and then hand feeding them to his sibling well that takes it to i'm glad you brought up the school aspect i'm hungry that was... i'm hungry the way the kid says oh my god it's heartbreaking it's like you want to feed the kid fuck fuck the dad you want so that skinny. little kid to get his fucking dead animal or whatever he's like no so we want skinny, the real dude. shit Have come on give kid. us the, give us a human man we want that real shit it's like oh this movie man yeah. it's, it really fucks with you i, I can't believe I anybody that's, the, uh... that is the that is the equivalent of can we get some mcdonald's i got hamburger meat at home yeah <laughs> 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 Oh my God. I thought this captured Wait. the, um, I'm glad you brought up the Murphy school there. thing because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, uh, I really enjoyed the theme of like community, like that small town thing. I thought it was really cool that they put Carrie Russell in that job mm. so that she yeah. had this, you know, this justified straight shot to these children and especially in this tiny town where like I loved how many people had to try to be told to go to this kid's house. It wasn't more calling like the authorities. They were like telling each other word of mouth about what they thought was abuse. So I thought that there was Mm. this underlying element of reality that I thought was, was also very scary to me that there are people in those kinds of communities and it's up to them to actually go intervene or else nobody may do anything. And I just, that was also scary to me. On the other side of that, there was the father who was a flawed character who like, he was stealing shit, and then they said, "Oh, he was, you know, he's growing meth or whatever." Yeah, and then uh, eating humans. And, yeah, and like... then, but the, like <laughs> every, when he first got infected, the f- the first thing he did was protected his kids. Yeah, sure. lock put the lock. And when he found, when he found, yeah, and uh, like after that, maybe the monster took over, and they might have been spare parts. But up until that point, he was like. I'm protecting my kids. So that was that was a nice little development there because that, that, that guy right. that guy had great. layers and they didn't even like focus on that. That was just a side character that like I thought that well, was that I don't think they meant anyway. this. Yeah. I don't think they meant this to be indicative, but I thought I couldn't help but wonder about the metaphor of that. That these it's so easy to paint people who are on on hard times or dealing with difficult mm. times in life, financially, addiction, whatever, as bad people. So I thought it was really really yeah it's a, it's like interesting you don't know their fucking and, and story. refreshing yeah <laughs> yeah to for him to put the lock on the door he was trying to do the right thing but he couldn't do anything about his sickness and it ended yeah. up hurting his children and killing one right so mm. i mean i, think I thought that was sometimes cool. changing the setting on like a classic tale like i i for some reason i've never seen a shakespeare play adapted to the vietnam war every fucking shakespeare play it was adapted to the vietnam war at some point because they were like, oh, this works perfectly well. And I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't. Oberon and Titania do not exist in Vietnam. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, with, so with the Brothers Grimm, with, with the Brothers Grimm, 
everybody they do all of the shows they always set them hamlet in modern times is like a huge one it's like anyway this all you need to do to to make it so true so it, it i think it still can hold on to its timelessness but in the pacific northwest and and do you see like these woodland communities where they expect to have to earn their own way but also even if that means selling drugs whatever they're on their own you know less government spending and just like we need to figure it out on our own survival of the fittest whatever and it's like this is a meth town like of course nobody's gonna go look at this kid's house is there do we know there's abuse no well there's a lot of fucking weird kids with broken homes because there's meth everywhere and there's joblessness and there's drugs and it's like there's so much socio-political stuff that they don't even really need to get into it too much you just you feel it in the community. You feel yeah. like this community is basically primed for to not be able to handle a situation. I know this is a ridiculous situation, yeah. but they do not have the infrastructure nor the morality Nobody to confront this thing. Anyway, I, I think the yeah. setting of it, this was, I mean, this was, was great. The setting was like, perfect. Was, any, any other state in this country, it would have been worse than Oregon. It was, it was, a, it was a perfect storm. What do you think the torch battery budget on this was? because <laughs> holy fuck everyone Thousands. has a torch and it yeah. like yeah. they they used to be used to it but to great effect um i will say i do agree i buzzed him earlier but i do agree that very last shot in the film bugged me yeah me too it cheapened the whole thing just a I little love you, bit scott yeah i agree i agree i don't think um, I'm- oh, yeah. like he went for the cliche that. horror ending which is fine but then he really dragged it out did anybody not know what was happening after the second cough yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I think it should have just held on him yeah. looking out at the water, and we knew what was happening. Or just, just the water. Tr- just have a drink. Yeah, yeah. like we, I think we all we were all right there. They wanted to give us the turn. It made me think of the end of um, Annihilation, which which did oh, work for me in a different way. When yeah. you see the glimmer, the shimmer in their eyes, that one for some reason I didn't mind that because it was so. I don't know. It was presented in a different way. This one, I feel like he was better better paced as well. Yeah. But I still, I I did walk out and I immediately said to my girlfriend, I was like, I wish that hadn't happened. But as Jeff said, (laughs) I still, I still really had fun watching the movie. And what a fun contradiction for the movie we're going to be talking about later this week. This is, you just don't see a lot of movies made this way anymore. This is a very small film. It's a small story, not Hmm. a large cast, not huge names but told really well with a lot of maturity, the same kind of maturity that I think we used to just assume that was the difference between television and film, television and movies. And yeah. I don't know. They just don't make a lot of stuff like this anymore. I bet that, you know, yeah. they're, they I can mean, put this into like a black they, mirror they, kind of They had thing. me at killing kids. I mean, that is, there's two things. You don't kill the dog. You don't kill the kid. Alien versus Predator Requiem, like that one. Like that was, it was, the, the kid oh, is yes, a no-no. Dude. Alien versus um, yeah. Requiem. Yeah. The whole thing <laughs> takes uh, place in the forest. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, it takes place in a forest and a town. And that town, that's all town? I remember about that <laughs> piece like... of shit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, no, but, but they didn't kill the kid. That's why it was so good that the, the one brother was still alive. So you had the brother connection. Like, fuck the dad at that point. But they did like, kill the kid. Well, eventually, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he had, he had to die. Like, you know. Did you buy we Carrie? All... Did you buy Carrie killing the beast in the shadows silhouette? With no, we already talked. We already thing? talked about the ending. No, none of that. The, the way she was trying to talk sense to this beast, it was like, come on, Scott. You know, like at the end. Yeah. But again, it was it's like it was okay because, face. Oh, it's because face. <laughs> with the ra- I, I don't know what else. You, I don't have a, sol- a solution for it. I just know that it felt a little family friendly. It felt a little like the end of Signs. 
like the kind of like the fairy tale thing does. Mm. Like, is that an aspect <laughs> of of the fairy tales where they can't be? I know not every. I know a lot of fairy tales don't have a, a happy ending necessarily, but they have to be. Um, there has to be a way to deal with these situations in fairy tales, and they're usually dealt with by humans not using some kind of technology. Right? It's usually mm. sword and stone and you know hands what I, you know what I, rope and. It's just occurred to me what I would have loved to have seen was the Chinatown ending, where he just takes the two kids and walks off into the forest. Honestly, uh, honestly. Uh, that's that's a pretty good idea there. Yeah. Dave. Dave. Not too bad. That's Nick good. Acosta, get him on the line. We got your ending though. <laughs> no, we did enjoy right. it though. I hope everyone sees it on HBO Max I hope this it, week. Please see it on HBO Max. Yeah. I guess that's it. Well, this has been part of our Should Have Seen That By Now series. Dave, thanks for tuning into this uh, this movie. You've been recommending it. Although I mm. guess we've been slowly recommending it over the Oh, yeah. We, this has been a long time coming. Uh, Moonfall's out this week. We had a lot of good stuff recently. Um, check it out. Anything <clears throat> before we go, guys? What you've been watching? Are we still, you know, still do that? Or? Yeah, yeah, we still do that. <laughs> How long have you been going, man? <laughs> uh, what you've been watching? Any recommendations of the week? Uh, let's start with Dave, like we always do. Uh, I have nothing besides what I recommended earlier. Um, what so did you recommend I... earlier? <laughs> this? <laughs> you guys have forgotten we're recording these backwards, haven't you? I see. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, at the end of the Moonfall episode. That, was, that was me acting. Recommendations. Nice. Acting. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Uh... Same. All of the things we've been watching, we already discussed in the episode we're about to discuss. <laughs> yes. We made sure we got good and drunk before that happened. Wait, I'll, I'll, add, I'll add one more thing. Um, Chloe started watching that weird Kristen Bell thing at the end of it. And I don't oh, know the, anybody that... The woman in the house across the street or something? Yeah, I've heard a lot of really interesting things about it. So I'll just say like... It's on my radar. It's on my radar too. And it's on the radar of the three people who said they were watching it and they don't know whether or not to recommend it, but they think they do. Uh, Damn. That's what I'll say. Okay. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for yeah. tuning into the pod. Grab a Goodbye. beer. Join us next week. <laughs>